listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 Well, you just heard the golden voice, the man from above at Fox Sports Radio. It's that time of week again, and we've got an epic show for you tonight. And in a world of questions, we've got answers. In a world of problems, we've got solutions. And on that note, welcome back to another award-winning edition of Straight Out of Vegas, the weekend adaptation. I'm Bernie Friday. We're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. So go to geico.com for a free rate quote. Tonight, as we navigate the NFL COVID style, we draw from history and we take you back to the 80s when the NFL was on uncharted waters. But how certain coaches managed to maneuver through the Michigas and still found a way to prevail, well, what can we learn from them that we can apply now? In about 15 minutes, Steve Fezzik will join via phone to chop up week 13 as the NFL enters its most important month. As they always say, they remember what you did in December. Later on, after Brian Fenley's epic update, Sleepy will weigh in on another best bet. And, of course, we close down the show with Mackinac Sports and plenty of fodder to twist your brain in knots. Sports are entertainment, but they're more than that. They're a shared experience. As such, people like to talk about them. So you've come to the right place. We've got a lot to talk about tonight. This is Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. And as they say in Jared Allen, Minnesota, it's going to be lit. All right, as we try to make sense of the 2020 NFL COVID era in which every week brings about a new headline that sounds about as whimsical as it is unbelievable, I'm reminded of a gentleman who always seemed to have a saying that would at least allow us to grasp some perspective, no matter how slight. So I call upon one of my favorites. And in the words of the legendary Mark Twain, never complain about getting older. Many fine people are denied that privilege. You see, with time comes experience, and with experience comes perspective. And as we continue to navigate the NFL waters, at least from a sports betting standpoint, can we actually draw perspective from something that may have been similar in the past? Or as Yogi Berra might say, can we find the different similarities? As it might be deja vu all over again? Well, I say we can. Because you, if you happen to follow the 1987 NFL strike season, Three games were actually played with replacement players. And I happened to be in Las Vegas during one of the replacement player weekend games. And during that weekend, I got a chance to visit with Ernie Kaufman, one of the legendary sports handicappers of all time, and a guy with time and perspective on his side. And he was chomping at the bit to bet as heavy as he could on the replacement games. And I was puzzled. I asked him, how can you do that when the rosters are full of guys that were selling turtles, girdles, and yo-yos just a week before? It's simple, he said. I know the coaches, and I know how I, I know who can mobilize quickly, organize quickly, and have success under duress. Remember, these replacement games counted, and for many organizations, those games could be make or break as far as the playoffs. So, for starters, the coaches had to find and assemble talent quickly. And the search for talent—well, that was a story in, in and of itself. I mean, the, the search for talent went everywhere. Grocery stores, bars, chewed up semi-pro fields. One team, the Washington Redskins, yeah, they were called the Redskins back then, they picked up a quarterback on work furlough from prison. But most of the replacement players, they were just kind of young men in limbo, somewhere between college and whatever was supposed to come next in life. And they were called scabs, and they were met with hostility. People threatened them, shouted profanity at them as their buses crossed the picket lines. And their following depended on the city. See, because in Union towns, the replacements were shunned. But in places like Dallas, 
the fans kind of loved him. They got a kick out of him. They, they even named him the Rhinestone Cowboys. In fact, nearly every replacement team wound up with some kind of revamped nickname. And they generally weren't, you know, particularly flattering, like the Chicago Spare Bears or the Seattle Sea Scabs, the, the New Orleans St. Elsewhere's. In Detroit, they were affectionately called the Snoils, which is Lions spelled backwards. But the final replacement game was a Monday night football matchup on October 19, 1987, between the Washington Redskins and the Dallas Cowboys. The Redskins were only one of two teams in the NFL to not have a single player cross the picket line. And believe it or not, they actually beat the Cowboys that night 13-7, who had a bunch of big-name players cross the picket line. In fact, the Cowboys that night, they featured Tony Dorsett, Randy White, and more than a dozen other veterans who had crossed the picket line. But the Redskins beat them with scabs. Not surprisingly, the head coach of the Redskins was a man named Joe Gibbs, a man of impeccable preparation in all areas of his life, as history has shown. And also, not surprisingly, Joe Gibbs went on to win the Super Bowl that season, crushing Denver 42-10 in Super Bowl 22. Also, predictably, coaches like Bill Walsh, Dan Reeves, Ron Meyer, Marty Schottenheimer, combined with Gibbs, well, they went on to have a cumulative 15-3 record against the spread during the three scab games, while coaches who Kaufman didn't hold in high esteem, guys like John Robinson, Dan Henning, and Jerry Burns, they all struggled mightily in dealing with the hand they had been dealt. Now, see, Kaufman knew this instinctively. <clears throat> he bet accordingly. He was very profitable, even though the sportsbooks, well, they had limits on those games for various reasons. But Kaufman had seen this movie before. In fact, we all had. Remember the 1982 NFL season. That year, a 57-day-long player's strike reduced the 1982 season from a 16-game schedule per team to an abbreviated nine-game schedule. And because of the shortened season, the NFL adopted a special 16-team playoff tournament and division standings were ignored for seeding purposes, although each division sent at least one team to the playoffs in each division except the NFC West, actually sent at least two teams. Now, eight teams from each conference, they were seeded one through eight based on their regular season records, and two teams qualified for the playoffs despite having losing records. They were the Cleveland Browns and the Detroit Lions. Well, the season ended with a Super Bowl uh, 17 when the Washington Redskins defeated the Miami Dolphins 27-17 at the Rose Bowl. Sound familiar? Well, the, Ray, the 82 Redskins, they were also coached by Joe Gibbs, and Gibbs was, in fact, named NFL Coach of the Year. By the way, the team Gibbs defeated in the Super Bowl, well, Don Shula, no slouch in his own right, he was the winningest coach of all time. He was the loser in that game. Now, these two seasons, 82 and 87, are a perfect metaphor for the game of life and an axiom I've always believed. Life, in many ways, is like a poker game. And in poker... Well, you always hope to get the best hand with the most valuable cards or series of cards, but there are only two types of poker players. Some complain they never get dealt a good hand. They usually lose. Others take the hand they're dealt, and they do their best to turn it into a winner. Now, let the record show that the winner of each pot doesn't necessarily have the best hand, but they play the hand they're dealt with the belief and expectation that over time they will come out on top, and they usually do. It's no different in life, and it's certainly not any different in the National Football League or again, in life in general, for that matter. Now, did Joe Gibbs magically have better players during the three-game NFL strike schedule? You tell me. The 87 Redskins replacements were quarterbacked by the legendary Ed Rubbert. He didn't lose a game. Rubbert, in fact, never played in the NFL again. 
but he was the inspiration for Keanu Reeves' character in the football movie, The Replacements. So we do, in fact, have perspective. We've never seen anything like COVID, uh, COVID hover over the NFL, but we have seen season interruptions, fits and starts, canceled games, expanded playoffs, uncertainty, and even little-known quarterbacks like Todd Hans. Todd Hans was working for a Ford dealership in Arizona when the Ford family in Detroit called him to come home and work for the real Ford family. Hans would, in fact, spend a month with the Lions starting all three games played by Detroit's replacement players in October of 1987. He quarterbacked a pair of losses in front of tiny crowds at the old Pontiac Silverdome. People barely remember that, but he had a moment of glory they would have to be considered the holy grail of Lions phenomena. He actually beat the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field. And Hans actually continued to make lemonade out of lemons. He parlayed his Lions experience into a backup quarterback role with the Detroit Drive of the Arena League. And wouldn't you know it, the Detroit Drive went on to be crowned champions of the Arena League. Now, many years later, Hans admitted he doesn't have many memories or any vestiges from his playing days. And he even mused his ex-wife had sold his Arena League championship ring to a pawn shop. But I digress. The moral is simple. COVID, this too shall pass. But until it does, which NFL teams can you trust? Start at the top. That was my big takeaway from Ernie Kaufman back in 1987. A head coach can't cover the spread by himself. But coaches influence the outcome of a football game in many ways. Football is often likened to a game of chess, and head coaches are obviously the chess players manipulating the game. So an incredible amount of scheming and strategy is involved in any NFL betting matchup. So who do you trust to make the right moves on a consistent basis? This coaching is extremely important in any sport, and it needs to be considered when handicapping games. Sometimes the coach or manager is what separates two teams when talent is evenly matched. Because the good coaches, they get their teams focused. They call a play for a specific moment in the game. They make a key substitution. They get the official to review a play. They stand up for their team. They make major adjustments during halftime. They arrest guys at the right time. There's a reason why some coaches always have teams in contention. Part of it's the talent on the team, but a major factor is the ability of the coach. A case in point, who would you trust more, Matt Patricia or Bill Belichick? Okay, those are two extremes. But look at how each has reacted to the hand they were dealt. And anyone can have a bad beat. But if you go back 15 years, there are a handful of coaches who simply have shown proof of performance over time, even though their rosters have turned over and they've dealt with their share of setbacks and abnormalities. So let's just take a look at the top six coaches I would trust if you want to beat the book on a consistent basis. Let's start with Bill Belichick. Yep, if you blindly bet Bill Belichick in the last 20 years, you'd be at 65%. If you win bets at a 65% rate, you can make all the money you ever want to make. By the way, this year alone, against teams with a winning record, Belichick is 4-2 and two against the number. That's 66%. What a coincidence. Mike Zimmer. Now, Zimmer hasn't exactly won any Super Bowls. He's at 62%. And, again, in, in 2020, in COVID era, Minnesota is 4-0 against the spread, against teams with a winning record. Sean Payton, a Bill Parcells disciple. 
he's done pretty well for himself as well. He's in the high 57%. Pete Carroll, Seattle, same situation. He's 68 and 55 in his career. Andy Reid, by the way, Andy Reid off a of bye, as you already know, 19 and 3, not bad. And no matter where he's been, all he does is cover the number. In fact, 126 times if you're scoring at home. And let's not forget Ron Rivera. Even before he got to the Washington football team, he was doing it in Carolina. He was 56% against the number. These are men that are leaders, and they are able to deal with what life throws at them and get their teams ready to perform. By the way, Bill Belichick, not for nothing, he's 24-5 and versus rookie quarterbacks, and would you know it, he's facing one tomorrow. Uh, when they play the L.A. Chargers. So there's that. And take that for what it's worth. But many times in life, past is prologue. And if you think we've been in situations uh, unlike COVID, well, I agree to a point that that's very true, but it's not that we've not been in situations where coaches have faced uncharted waters. Just look at the strike season of 82 and 87. And, yes, the same names kept coming out on top. We've got a full slate of games ahead of us for Week 13. And Steve Fezzik is going to join us to chop it up, and we'll give you the backstory on some of these games, including best bets and where the leans and likes would be, along with tidbits you're going to want to know about to beat your bookie. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. I'm Bernie Frada. We're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted. So don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight out of Vegas! The great Bernie Frado, folks. We are back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Frado coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Before we get to our guest. Shout out to MGM John, who reminds us his UCLA Bruins are above 500. Stop the presses. All right. Steve Fezzik, the only two-time winner of the Super Contest, joins us every week at this time to chop up the NFL games. And who better to have? Fez, thanks for making time as always. Oh, my pleasure, Bernie. How are you this Saturday night? Doing well. And I got seven games in particular. I try to get to all of them, but there's... Some that have more interest than others. And I want to start with New Orleans, Atlanta, where the Saints were a short road favorite. Atlanta, as a home underdog, their last eight, five and three, straight up, six and two against the number. Big improvement under their new coach. What are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, you nailed it. Under Morris, Atlanta's four and two. Really should be five and one if Gurley had just stopped at the one yard line. That one loss was to the Saints, but I can't get past the fact Atlanta. They've outscored their opponents by nine points per game under Morris. That's a uh, much better um, performance than what the New Orleans power rating is right now with Taysom Hill. So with Atlanta getting points at home, it's the only way I would look. Yeah, my sentiments. Uh, New Orleans getting a lot of respect with that line. Cleveland heads to Tennessee as a dog. A lot of people uh, I respect uh, like the Browns and the points tomorrow. I'm troubled by one thing, even though Cleveland's 8-3, and three, Fez. Their point differential is minus 21, but I'm guessing you still like the dog here. I do like the dog. I've got Tennessee, the better team, but not by much of a margin. And I think that the spot's good for the Browns. Tennessee went ahead and got the, um, the convincing win last week, 
But um, bottom line is, Miles Garrett comes back for Cleveland. That should bolster the defense. Everyone's talking about Derrick Henry. Cleveland has two really good running backs, and, and Chubb is every bit as good, and he's got fresh legs that Derrick Henry doesn't have. Cleveland could pull the upset. I certainly like Cleveland plus the five. Another divisional team laying a short number on the road. The Rams traveled to Arizona. I feel like these are two teams going in different directions. By the way, Jared Goff, his last six games versus the Cardinals, 6-0, 12 touchdowns, three interceptions, throwing for almost 300 yards a game. Speaking of regressing and going the other direction, though, Arizona, Fez, their first seven games, they were 5-2 and two and only allowing 20 points per game. In their last four, they're 1-3. and three. They're allowing 28 points per game, struggling on both sides of the ball. What are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, and every game this year prior to two weeks ago, Arizona had scored 21 or more points. Two weeks ago, they got the 21. So that was their tied for worst performance offensively. And then the next week, 17, and it's all about Murray not being mobile. He's only run the ball five times two weeks ago and last week. Shoulder injury, Bernie. You've got to tell me, is that shoulder any better? If it isn't, we cannot bet Arizona. Now I'm with you 100%. Steve Fezzik joins us, the only two-time winner of the Super Contest. Let's head to Green Bay where Aaron Rodgers is a favorite of more than seven points, he's 8-1, and 6-3 against the number since 2015, having a banner year, 33 touchdowns, four interceptions. Carson Wentz, not so much. Green Bay laying a big number here, but I will say this, people I respect like the Eagles and the points here. What say you? Do they really? Interesting. I like the teaser with Green Bay. Green Bay will be on alert because they lost to Philadelphia last year, and let's face it, Typically, you play a team that only has three wins. You might look past them, but because the Eagles won the Super Bowl, I think Green Bay certainly will be up for this game. Uh, tease Green Bay with all your other favorites and put that as the main spoke, if you will, in your teaser wheel. Interesting. Uh, Carson Wentz is struggling 31st in completion percentage, 30th in passer rating. But the other night, uh, the Eagles did hold Seattle to two for 10 on third downs and only allowed them to rush for 76 yards. Not a game I'm involved in. A game I am involved in, though, I do like the Jets plus the points over the Raiders. No Josh Jacobs, no Cleveland Farrell, no Jonathan Abram. Raiders laying a ton of points in this game. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so I need something to tease Green Bay with. By the way, do not tease Green Bay to minus three. You've got to get them down to minus two and a half. So if you have to play a six and a half point teaser, do that. And go ahead and tease them with the Raiders here. I do think that the Raiders will win the game. What's the fear when you play the Jets? You look past the Jets and you're flat. Well, the Raiders got blown out last year against New York, 3-34. Right. to 34, And I think that that, right. with the blah, went against Atlanta. You, you, you know that the Raiders aren't 100%, but the Jets, they're just bad. And if I get a motivated team against a, bad, a horrible Jets team, I'll take the opportunity. All right, the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, don't get the respect I think they deserve. Uh, their defense is number one in sacks, number one in takeaways, number one in points allowed. The last team to do that was the 85 Bears. They are only in a lot of points Monday against Washington, but I wouldn't be afraid to lay them here. Do you have any thoughts on this game? I thought this was going to be one of my biggest bets of the year, Bernie. I was thinking I was going to be betting Washington plus 10 and the mother of all great spots with Pittsburgh on a short week and injured as well. And then they see the line is seven, and I expected it to come ten, so I'm with you. At seven, Pittsburgh is one of the three best teams in the NFL, and Washington 
is about 25th, and Pittsburgh's home, and Pittsburgh's only laying seven. It's just too much of a correction for the bad spot. Another team that I am high on, not getting a lot of press, but I do like the San Francisco 49ers. They will play the game in Arizona. They're getting two against Buffalo. Buffalo has to return to the site of the Hale-Murray but San Francisco getting healthier. They're getting Debo Samuel, Richard Sherman, Raheem Mostert, and I have a lot of faith in Kyle Shanahan. I just did an opening monologue about the importance of coaches. I like Shanahan. The 49ers might be my best bet of the weekend. What say you? Yeah, excellent summary. I think it really favors the Bills. The travel schedule, the fact that they get to do the same travels, probably stay in the same hotel, return to the scene of the crime, and they'll be fully motivated. So I want to bet on Buffalo. However... And i got to tell you, Mackenzie Rivers is the, the local San Francisco 49ers expert, and I'm surprised he didn't call me out on my power ratings this week. I am too low on the Niners who have gotten healthier with those guys that you mentioned, and Samuel really looked good last week. So the Niners, I think, are a little bit undervalued. Because of that, reluctantly, I'll go against the Bills, and I would look towards the 49ers. All right. I can't let you go without talking about what would have been at one time the old NFC Norris, as Chris Berman would say, division. Detroit faces Chicago. I understand that line is up to three and a half now. The Bears laying three and a half. No more Matt Patricia. You know, the Wicked Witch is dead. I don't know that I would still back Detroit in this situation, but I don't know that I want to lay the points with Chicago either. Yeah, I would take Detroit plus three and a half, but Galladay likely, not, well, he's not going to play, and he's so important to the wide receiver core. And Swift, who's their best running back, is probably only going to see limited minutes in the game. So with a very motivated Lions team that's thrilled that Patricia's gone, we get um, the more motivated team. But the Bears, I think, are the better team. If I'm only getting three and a half, I'll, you know, strong lean Lions, but just a strong lean. You know what's crazy? Historically, Mitch Trubisky's got like a 122 passer rating against the Lions, but that's a story for a different day. All right, Fez, before we let you go, reiterate your best bet tomorrow. All right, we're going to go ahead and jump on the Cleveland Browns plus the five against the Titans. Real important, Bernie. I want to make a prediction here. Bet this game tonight. I think by the time you wake up tomorrow, this line is going to be four. You can still get five right now. Grab the plus five. I think the Sharps, the big money is going to be all over the Browns tomorrow morning. Thanks so much. He's Steve Fizzik, two-time winner of the Super Contest. And remind Nick Chubb, don't step out of bounds. <laughs> well, they'll be behind if I need him to score to cover, so I don't think he'll do it against me again this week. Some memories die hard. All right, Fez, thanks for joining us. Let's do, we'll see you next week. Thank you, Bernie. All right, coming up, Sleepy's Best Bet. I want to talk about what the pros do that the amateurs don't and how last week it really proved to put pin- – Put things in the winning column. Easy for you to say. But first, well, let's go to the man. Well, his updates come with a guarantee. And his are guaranteed not to break, bend, rust, bust, bite the dust, chip, crack, or peel. It is Brian Finley with the latest. Bernie Fratto, your intros continue to get better. A-plus on you. Keynote college football games in prime time. We're going to look at number one Alabama mutilating LSU 55-17. to Bama QB, Mac Jones, 385 yards passing along with four touchdowns. 
Alabama now has a date with Florida in the SEC title game. Third-ranked Clemson bombarding Virginia Tech 45-10. Tech with three lost fumbles. Number 10 Miami teaching Duke a lesson 48-0. Canes QB Derek King with three touchdowns through the air and one on the ground. 11th-ranked Oklahoma breaking free of Baylor 27-14 to book a spot in the Big 12 championship game where they will play Iowa State. 13th-ranked BYU and number 18 Coastal Carolina came down to the final play. Wilson back, looks, pressure coming, looks, fires it towards the end zone. It's going to be caught. He's going to be stopped. He's stopped at the two-yard line, and the shot of clearance have pulled the upset of the season in college football. An ecstatic Joe Cashin, the voice on Chanticleer Radio Network as Coastal wins it 22-17 to boost out to 10-0. According to reports, Shane Bieber, the Oklahoma Sooner assistant head coach slash tight ends coach, feeling the urge to take over the South Carolina football program. Quickly in the Pac-12, UCLA steam presses Arizona State 25-18. Chip Kelly has the season-winning record with the Bruins for the first time in his tenure. And Cal stunting number 23 Oregon 21-17. The Ducks faltering for two weeks in a row. Now we send it back to a man who should be the mayor of Vegas. And when that happens, no recount necessary. It is Bernie Fratto. And that is Brian, the silver-tongued devil, Finley. He is opening up for Shecky Green in the Catskills <laughs> next week. Good seats not available. All right. Uh, Sleepy has, uh, has, has been pretty solid uh, with his bets all year, mostly prop bets. And uh, tomorrow's no different. But we go back to the scene of a crime a couple of weeks ago when he was backing Deshaun Watson. You might say he said, Watson, I need you. Well, he needs him again tomorrow as Watson faces the number one defense as well as, uh, well, let's just put it this way. Because he's facing the number one defense, that is why Sleepy is leading you to a specific bet that he has. Let's give it a listen. All right, Bernie, NFL Week 13, best bet. Now, two weeks ago, I went ahead, I gave you guys a winning prop play with Deshaun Watson over rushing yards. This week, I'm going back to Deshaun Watson, but I'm going to give you a different prop play. I'm recommending we play Deshaun Watson to throw an interception in this game at minus 112. Now, Watson, he's not a quarterback that will throw a lot of interceptions. In fact, he only has five this entire season, but I believe this game sets up for Watson to go ahead and force the football. Now, we know the Texans' rush game. It's terrible as they rank second to dead last in the league. On the flip side, we know the Colts' rush defense is actually very good. Therefore, I believe that will put stress on Watson to go ahead and make a lot of throws in this game. The big issue for the Texans is the departure of wide receivers Will Fuller and Randall Cobb. Watson, I think he's going to be surveying the football field for guys that he literally hasn't thrown the ball to all season long. I believe Watson will be forcing the issue here, and it's going to result in an interception. Final note on this prop wager, Watson, he hasn't played the Colts yet this season, but he's thrown an interception to this Colts team in every game but one going back to 2017. Therefore, Bernie, my NFL Week 13 best bet, Deshaun Watson to throw an interception, yes, at minus 112. And not for nothing, Watson's number one receiver, Fuller, down. And his number three and four receivers are out as well. And Indianapolis is a very good defensive team, and you know they're going to key on Deshaun Watson. 
All right, one of the things that professional bettors do is bet uh, bet numbers, not teams. And it's easy to get enamored with teams. Look how good the Raiders have looked this year. They not only beat Kansas City once, they almost beat them twice. So last week when they traveled to Atlanta and they were laying three points on the road, the Raiders had all the optics, and they play hard. And I think they've drafted well. Uh, They've overachieved, frankly. And uh, before last week, you would have thought they had a better than 50-50 chance of getting to the playoffs. But regardless, the Raiders were a team that, by the look test, were appealing, but not by the numbers. They shouldn't have been laying three at Atlanta last week. Professional bettors knew that the Raiders' poorest defense, which ranked 24th in the NFL in total defense, almost 390 yards per game allowed, the pros know that, well, you go on the road and lay points with a bad defense, that's not a recipe for winning. Sure enough, Atlanta won, and they won big 43-6. to So there's a situation where the pros bet the numbers, the Joes bet the team, you see who won. A couple of other games last week turned out the same way. Uh, Monday night. Seattle, well, if you got them early in the week, you were laying five and a half. Then it got to six and closed at six and a half. Seattle was covering the whole way until Philly had a Hail Mary late, then a two-point conversion, and lo and behold, they cover the game, the Eagles do. And again, while Seattle is the sexy-looking team and Philadelphia looks like a hot mess, but the numbers show that Philadelphia is better as cashed. And by the way, while we're at it, Not only do pros like to bet numbers, they like to get the best of the number because that was a situation where you could have gotten Seattle minus five and a half and cashed, but most people didn't. They got them at six or six and a half, and that means the Philly bettors got the cash. I was not involved in that game. Then Wednesday, a Wednesday afternoon game, you've got a situation where Baltimore, they were getting ten and a half, and I know they were missing players. But you take an NFL uh, team out of their routine, and things just aren't the same. Plus, this is a bitter rival on a Wednesday afternoon, be that as it may. Pittsburgh pretty much had the cover. Harbaugh even punted with uh, – Baltimore even punted with like five minutes to go in the game and gave the ball back, even, even though they were down two scores. Pittsburgh ends up punting back. Trace McSorley, all it took was 170-yard pass play. And if you're a Baltimore better – plus your 10.5, you cashed a ticket. So there's three situations there where the numbers prevailed, even though the uglier team getting the number wasn't particularly appealing. As a matter of fact, sometimes you look at those teams and they do things. You, you get on a bad team and you're making faces the whole game. Kind of like the time when I was in third grade, making faces at my teacher, Mrs. Birch. And then she turned around and caught me. And she said, Mr. Fratto, My mother told me that if I made faces like that when I grew up, my face would stick. And I said, well, you can't say you weren't warned, Mrs. Birch. I think she bet teams, too. She didn't bet numbers either. But just a little tip there from your Uncle Bernie. Look at numbers, not teams. That's the way the pros do it. Each week we have Steve Fezzik on, and if you look at his handicap, he's typically talking about the numbers involved and talking about those analytics which over time, listen, nothing's 100%. Anything can happen. But the truth of the matter is, over time, the data and the stats and the analytics that have been compiled over time have a tendency to regress and progress to the mean. So as you look to tomorrow's games, remember, bet numbers, 
not teams. Fez even talked about that. If you're going to bet the Cleveland Browns, catch them tonight because things will change tomorrow. And that is our little segment for this week. Coming up, you know them, you love them, you can't live without them. It's Mackinac Sports. As we get to the final segment each week, we talk about subject matter in the NFL and things that are a little off the beaten track, but they cause you to think and they, call, they, they provoke thought and uh, hopefully they entertain you and it's great fun for the whole family, good, good Christian values. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? You probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted. So don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight Out of Vegas! One of the best in the business, Bernie Fratto. We are back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. And as promised every week, Motown bumper music. Before I go any further, I want to thank my broadcast team back in Los Angeles. That would be Chris Perfett. Eric Roberts, and Brian, the Silver Tongue Devil Finley. All right, you know him, you love him, you can't live without him. He's Mackinac Sports, McKenzie Rivers, and we've got an interesting conversation here tonight because the Cleveland Browns are kind of sort of making history. And before we dive into this conversation, McKenzie, I would just say this, because a lot of what I've talked about tonight is trusting teams, trusting coaches. I've been on the Browns twice this year, week one against Baltimore, catching eight and a half, and that was brutal. I still have source from that one. <laughs> and then a couple of weeks back uh, when they were laying four against Houston and Nick Chubb ran out of bounds. So exactly why do I trust this 8-3 and three team even though they have a 21-point negative point differential? Well, first of all, Bernie, you said they are going to make history or they might make history. The Browns have eight wins. Eight wins. That means they have guaranteed they will not have a losing season for the first time in 14 years. That's I've been looking everywhere. I can't find where they're going to schedule the parade for Cleveland tomorrow, but I think already we have to you know, give them a little, a little golf clap for that. In fact, if they win tomorrow, they're going to have their third winning season in the last 25 years. That's back to Bill Belichick and Nick Saban land. So before we go any further, I'd like to say, Kevin Stefanski, I know you didn't cover for Bernie twice. You have to make up for that. You have to apologize for that. But good job. You actually have this franchise with a non-losing season. Amazing. All right, before we dive into this further, so tomorrow they play the Tennessee Titans, coached by Mike Vrabel, a guy I do trust. And by the way, Tennessee's played a very difficult schedule this year against teams with a winning record. They're 4-3 and three against the number. That's 53, uh, 57%. Cleveland does have a winning record. Cleveland is getting healthier. They get Miles Garrett back after a couple of games. Uh, Denzel Ward also returns. This is a referendum. If they cover against Tennessee tomorrow or beat Tennessee on the road, I'm going to have to start paying a little bit more attention, but I just don't trust them. Plus 200 on the money line, Bernie. Let me just ask you, do you think there's a big separation between the Titans and the Browns? If you're ranking teams and you're in the AFC. Power ratings, no. No. But then the game kicks off and reality kicks in, and there are different cultures. And I think a lot of Mike Vrabel. There's actually, as Yogi Berra would say, they have different similarities <laughs> because they both run the ball very well. And you're going to see Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb go back and forth. And what you don't know, because Baker Mayfield has been highly average. Would you agree with that? Highly average. Almost extremely average. Right. Um, Powerfully average. Right, right out of Caddyshack. Don't, you know, <laughs> don't say you're, you're a tremendous slouch. He's not a slouch, <laughs> but listen, he's not a star either. No, you're right. And he's a, what, you know, what if they drive the ball into the red zone? 
and he turns it over, and he, or he throws a pick or does something stupid, rolls right and throws across his body. Look, I don't want to create problems yet that don't exist, but this has been my experience with Cleveland. So sell me on the Browns on why I can back them. Well, you mentioned that Ravens game. The Ravens got to Baker early and often, and it was ugly. You might remember against the Steelers, number one pressure rate team in the league. Got to him early and often, got him out of his comfort zone. The Titans are actually almost last in the league, 31st in attacking the quarterback. So if there's mm. ever a good team, good a point. good team, good point. that Baker might actually sow his oats and feel a little comfort, it will be against this team. I agree with you. This is like for like. This is going to be Brown versus Chubb more than Mayfield versus Tannehill. Um, I mean, Henry versus Chubb. So I actually like the under in this game, but I'm actually say my best bet – I might be copying Fez a little bit. Obviously, he's copying RJ a little bit. Browns plus five. I just don't see a huge separation between these teams. Yes, I like Mike Brable. I like what he's doing. But the, the this summer, the Cleveland Browns hired Andrew Barry, a 33-year-old GM. I think that was the moment where they actually said, you know what, this old, you know, handed-down way of doing things is not going to work. They got a young GM who turned around and hired a young coach. And I actually think this is the new Cleveland Browns. Eventually, every franchise, either they're going to fold like the Bengals will eventually. We'll get to them maybe. Uh, they're, they're, you know, they're just going to slide away into the Lake Erie eventually. But if they persist and exist, eventually they got to turn it around and find it because there's too much money at stake not to develop a winning culture. And I think they have one here. Well, one of the Kevin things Stefanski. I think they've done, Kevin Stefanski, their head coach, they brought him over from Minnesota, and he uh, he plays to their strength. They're a run-first team, and it served them well. Other than week one, they have actually stayed within their stayed in their lane, as it were, for lack of a better cliche. But every time with the with the Browns, for me, uh, the light under the tunnel, the light at the end of the tunnel is just another oncoming train. I'll tell you what. Let's look ahead. All right. You you you're on record. You like the Browns and the points tomorrow. Maybe they're alive to win outright. Is that I fair? Think so. yeah. Okay. Fez likes them. RJ likes them. Let's look ahead. Next week, they get the rematch against Baltimore. This time, it's at home. Baltimore is not the same team. Let's say Tennessee holds serve at home tomorrow. Okay. For purposes of this uh, argument, so so Cleveland's ten to four. Uh, eight and four. Try, yeah. try that again in English. Check that they'll be eight and four if they lose tomorrow. Uh, they head home next week to face Baltimore. Who wins that game? If Lamar Jackson's playing and they get a few people back. I think it's more of the same. I think Baker Mayfield is very predictable as far as a handicap. Does he feel comfortable? The Ravens, they didn't let Ben Roethlisberger be comfortable in either of two games. They actually have a very complex defense. As much as I like the Browns this week, next week, especially if the Ravens are a little healthier, I think we might see another 38-6. Oh, goodness. Okay, well, then yeah. the following two weeks, that would put them at 8-5. and five. Yep. They head to New York to play the Giants one week and then the Jets the following week. Win both games. All right, that would put them at ten and five. Yep, and now, oh. now they're in it. Now they're now in they the close against Pittsburgh at home. Now is Pittsburgh? If Pittsburgh's fifteen and zero, Mike Tomlin is going to want that for the rest of his career. He's going to go sixteen and zero. If Pittsburgh, like those two thousand nine Colts, are fourteen and one, well, there's not a really good explanation, especially if the Chiefs haven't, you know, maintained serve and been fourteen and one themselves. In other words. If Pittsburgh plays their guys, I think it's another shellacking. I don't think that Baker Mayfield or Kevin Stefanski yet in his young career has the ingenuity to orchestrate a different outcome. That said, I don't think the Steelers will be in a position to necessarily go 100%. Browns might end up with 11 wins. That's like three seasons of wins for them usually. Okay, but here's where I throw a little bit more cold water on the parade. After 11 weeks, they're only 4-7 and against the number. 
Oh, come on, Bernie. You you were watching that Texans game. Nick Chubb just going to the end zone for all of your yeah, fans everywhere. Fantasy owners, DraftKings owners. Come on, Nick Chubb. And they lost to the Bengals by a half point twice against the spread. This is the most fraudulent 4-7 and seven ATS team. They're better than that. Come on, Bert. Okay, so in your view, they should be 6-6. Uh, six and, six and six. Yeah, 6-6, six and six, maybe even. 6-5? and five? Yeah, maybe even that. In fact, it's funny, though. I was looking at this before the show. Kevin Stefanski is the only co- coach under 40 with a negative against the spread margin. It's just bad luck. Come on. Well, then it should. Okay, I'll grant you that. Uh, I would just say this. uh, Fifths and butts were candy and nuts. We'd all have a Merry (laughs) Christmas. And it is Christmas season. So we're going to test your theory. Let's see what happens tomorrow. Good stuff, McKenzie. Better not miss an extra point. Anything can happen with your Cleveland Browns. (laughs) All right, that's Mackinac Sports, McKenzie Rivers. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Straight Out of Vegas. Thanks, Fez, for coming on. I'm Bernie Fratto. Next up, the man from Nashville. It's time for the Jason Martin Show. Keep it locked. Straight out of Vegas!